You know, the last few weeks and maybe more accurately the last few days, the coronavirus has interrupted our lives in ways that none of us were expecting. There's been public gatherings that have been shut down, schools have closed, sporting events, entire seasons have been canceled. But that doesn't mean that we can't have church, and that's exactly what we're going to do. It does mean that we're changing the way that we have church, at least for a period of time. And thankfully, we can still have church online. We can worship, we can pray, we can engage, preach, be encouraged, grow, connect with one another. And that's exactly what we plan to do. Now, the question so many of us are asking is how are we supposed to respond? Not just individually, but how are we supposed to respond as parents? How are we supposed to respond as our businesses, our leaders? How are we supposed to respond as believers, as a church? And I want to use this message to speak directly into that. I believe God's going to use this message in many ways to help you wherever you're at. In fact, I want to encourage you right now to take the time to invite somebody to watch with you. If you're sitting at home, call the family around. If you're by yourself, text somebody, email them, send them a link. In times like these, the people of God need to come together. Even though we chose not to come together corporately out of an abundance of caution, we're thankful that we can come together utilizing technology. Now, if you've been coming to church the last few weeks or maybe you've watched online, we've been in a series called Learning to Listen. And when there's so much panic, confusion, and fear in our world, I can't think of a better time for us to lean into hearing God's voice above all else. And that's exactly what we're going to do today in our text. I want to read to you from 1 Kings chapter 19. And there's a few characters that I need you to know about before I read, because there's Ahab, He's the king of Israel at the time. There's his wife Jezebel. She's a wicked woman. And there's Elijah. Most of us are familiar with Elijah. Elijah was God's prophet. He comes on the scene. He takes a bold stance when Israel's in chaos. He stood before Ahab, who was wicked, and said, hey, there's going to be a drought in the land because of your wicked leadership. And he says, it's not going to rain again until I say so. And the water shut off just like you shut off your shower. And for three years, while this drought is going on, Elijah survived because God gave him some secret instructions. So when the shelves were empty, God miraculously sent him food and delivered it to his doorstep. That's Elijah's story. That was his experience. Now in chapter 18, right before where we're going to read, Elijah once again challenged Ahab's wickedness. He told him to gather up all the prophets, these people who were not worshiping God, who were leading people away from God, and then they had something that would look like a religious steel cage match. And he won. God shows up. It rains again. And because of all these miraculous events, the whole nation turns back to God. And that's the context before we jump into chapter 19. So it's surprising to read what happens next because it tells us in 1 Kings 19 verse 1, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Now, these are the same gods that couldn't do anything for her prophets on the mountain just a chapter earlier. But it says that when Elijah heard this, it says that he was afraid and he ran for his life 
when he came to Beersheba in Judah and he left his servant there. In other words, this was every man for himself. And while he went himself, uh, well, he went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. He says, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And it says, and then he lay down under a tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and he said, get up and eat. I don't know about you, but that's almost how I felt the last few days. Like I've had enough. I just want to take a nap. I've been on the phone nonstop, long days, helping people, encouraging people, getting wisdom for myself, for our church, sharing that wisdom with others. There's been a lot to communicate. Maybe you've been gathering supplies. Maybe you've had to make your own plans for your business, for your kids. I'm sure, just like Elijah, you're thinking, I've had enough. But then it says, all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And then in the next verse, he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. And then uh, it says, then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I want to pause here as we get into our message because this is a good question to ask ourselves. What are you doing here? That's a little crazy that I'd actually planned to preach from this passage before we even got to this point, everything going on in our world. But I think it's cool how God will put things together and speak to your situation. That's what's powerful about God's word, that the word of God is alive and active. It speaks to where we are now. And what I love about this verse is it says the word of the Lord came to him. I want you to know that God's word wants to come to you, wherever you're at. Maybe like Elijah, you felt like the nation has been in a bit of an uproar. Maybe like Elijah, you've been fighting some battles. Maybe like Elijah, there's been a lot of voices. There's been a lot of confusion. There's been a lot of stress. Maybe even practically in this text, like you've been traveling and you're watching this message and you know you're not where you're supposed to be. That was the case for Elijah. There are so many things that are happening in this text. I want to take a minute just to break some things down for you. The first thing that I noticed was that there were various voices, various voices. There's a lot of voices in the first few verses that we read. There's what Ahab was saying to Jezebel. There's what Jezebel was saying to Elijah. There's what Elijah was saying to himself. There's an angel, which is really just another word for messenger who's speaking to Elijah. And then there's God's word that came to Elijah. I mean, no wonder Elijah's freaking out. There's so many people who are talking and it's hard to think straight. It's hard to act right. It's hard to know how to respond. No wonder he runs off and hides because when there's so many voices speaking, it's hard to know the truth. And here's the thing. Each voice expressed a different reality. Some of it was factual. What Ahab said to Jezebel was probably the facts. Some of it was fearful. Jezebel was trying to put fear into Elijah. Some of it was faulty. Elijah said, I'm the only one left. I'd rather die. Nobody cares. They're trying to kill me. Some of it 
was faith building. The angel came to Elijah and said, be strengthened by this. And some of it brought everything into focus. That's God's word. God asked a question. And what God said brought everything into focus. And where I hope you can get encouraged by the scripture is from the fact that when we find Elijah, he's not at his best. Because sometimes we think of people in the Bible like these almost superhero type characters, like people who are disciplined, people who have it all together. But Elijah is clearly acting crazy. Like he's just seen God move. He's seen revival. He's seen miracles. But because of one threat, he takes off running. That's why I like the fact God asks him a question because it brings things into focus. Because you see, it's really not a question of if you're fearless. The question is, are you faithful? Now, you might not realize that in this passage, but what Elijah is running away from is the place he's supposed to be. And I love how God doesn't beat Elijah up while he's running for his life, but he calls him he speaks to him, he chases him down and brings him back. See, that's what fear will always do. Fear will always keep you out of the places you're supposed to be. You know, the truth is the kind of fears that are being generated right now are a greater enemy to us than the virus itself. Look, COVID-19 is here and there is no guarantee that someone around you is not gonna be infected. But irrational fear is an even greater enemy with more devastating and long-term consequences. Fear polarizes people. Fear undermines your courage. Fear drives the economy into recession. Now, we can see that tangibly, but on a more practical note, fear will keep us from sharing our faith with someone else. Fear will keep us from forgiving. Fear will keep us from committing to a relationship. Fear will keep us from going out, opening ourselves up. Fear keeps us isolated. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. We chose to meet online today to exercise caution, but I'm talking in your life, fear will keep you isolated. It will keep you from opening yourself up to possibility. It will keep you from the good things God has for you. What's funny is that in the text, Elijah runs and he ends up at Mount Horeb and it's called the mountain of God. And when you read that, you probably think, hey, that's good. He got to the mountain of God. He got to the place he should have been. But the truth is, he was in the wrong direction. He was going south. He was leaving the life that God had called him to live because he was afraid. Not running for his life, he was running from his life. And that's the condition a lot of us are in. We find ourselves running from what God has called us to do. We find ourselves running from what God has called us to. That's what fear does. It turns us inward. We begin to think about ourselves and only ourselves. Can I tell you? Now is not the time to be thinking about ourselves. We shouldn't be hoarding toilet paper. We should be sharing hope. In times of uncertainty, we should be uncommon. We should live like love because perfect love casts out fear. That's why I thought it was interesting that while Elijah was freaking, God got to feeding. He sends an angel and the angel says, hey, you need to get up and eat. I mean, how much easier could God make it? He baked him a cake and he put it by his head. This shows the compassion of God in crisis. He said, hey, Elijah, I know you're headed away from where I've called you to. I know you're afraid when you need to be assured, but I love you enough to feed you and put in your path food that you can't miss. 
God does the same for each one of us. God wants to do the same thing for you. We receive God's power when we feed on his promises. Now, there's all kinds of references in Scripture where the Bible refers to itself as nourishment, meat, milk, bread. The reason some of us are so dominated by fear isn't because we don't have any faith. It's because we're not feeding the faith that we have. It's hard to walk in courage if your courage is malnourished. Part of what you're feeding on is what you're allowing to come into your ears. I'm thankful we live in a day where we have access to up-to-the-minute information. But with the nonstop, constant barrage of info on the spread of this pandemic and threats people are facing and concerns that people have and the stating and restating of the crisis that we're in, it's no wonder people are in a panic. I don't know about you, but I've actually had my TV off the last few days. Not because I don't care, but because I do care. I care about the condition of my soul as much as I care about the sanitation of my skin. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm staying informed, but when you feed on fear and panic and trauma, even if it's factual, it will make you want to run and hide like Elijah. That's why I like what A.W. Tozer said. He said, a scared world needs a fearless church. A.W. Tozer was a pastor, did a lot of great things for God, wrote a lot of books. But can I tell you, if your faith is full, your fear won't stand a chance. Think of it this way. A few facts is not the whole truth. A few facts is not the whole truth. That was the case for Elijah and Jezebel. Now, it was true that Jezebel threatened to kill him. That was a fact. It was factually correct. But the whole truth was that God had given him a mission and a mandate and promised to protect him. The whole truth was that God had been faithful to take care of him in similar situations before. The whole truth is that God had just got done demonstrating his power and his love for Elijah just prior to this. A few facts are not the whole truth. Now, there's more to this story that I want to read to you because when God's word comes to him and he says, what are you doing here? I want you to listen to how Elijah responds. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Now, what he said was partially true. The Israelites had done that. But God had just brought revival. The prophets did want to kill him, but God had just defeated them and put them to shame in the chapter before. And he's not the only one left. See, it's hard to see the whole truth when your focus is on yourself. So God, in an effort to change his perspective, he tells him to stand in his presence. And this is why it's so important that we continue to gather. It's so important that we come online and do church, we meet in our groups, because fear can't stand a chance in God's presence. Look at what God says. He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And then it says, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
Let's look at the next verse. It says, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. So you've got earth, wind, and fire. God is not in any of that. It says, after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, I've read this before, and I've wondered, God, why didn't you show up in the wind? I mean, if Elijah needed to be reminded of your power, surely the wind would be a good way to do that. Or, or maybe the earthquake, maybe the fire. I mean, there's all these different ways where he could be reminded of your power. Any of those would have been great ways. But seeing the series, we've been learning to listen to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. And when Elijah needed to know God's power the most, God whispers. Why is it that God would whisper? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Why is it that God wouldn't show up in these other ways? What caught my attention with this was it says, then a voice said to him. You know, when we read this same question in verse 9, it was the word of the Lord that came to him. But this time it's a voice. And see, the truth is God's word will reach you where you're at. But the voice of the Holy Spirit is always going to call you beyond where you're at. Now, I don't know why God whispered. But I do know this, that God doesn't overpower fear by shouting louder, but by drawing us closer. So he whispers, whispers, get out of the cave. See, when you're in a cave, you're in darkness. And in the scriptures, darkness represents ignorance. And if fear can keep you in the dark, if it can keep you in ignorance of who God says you are and what he promised you and the resources he's given you as his child, it can shout in your soul and you'll be running. But not running for your life. You'll be running from the life that God has for you. If you get in the presence of God, fear can't keep you in a cave. See, when we come into his presence, we see his perspective. When we come into his presence, we hear his voice. See, he told him to come out and stand because the presence of the Lord was about to pass by. But this is the Old Testament. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus said, where two or three of you are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. And if we'll prioritize getting in the presence of God, if we'll prioritize gathering together however we can, online or in our groups, I believe there are some things that God wants to say to us. Because I love how God starts speaking to Elijah. He tells him a few different things. He first tells him, you, you've got some work to do. He says, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazel, king of Aram. Then we'll skip to verse 18. It says, but I still have 7,000 people in Israel whose knees have not knelt to worship Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. You see, Elijah wasn't the only one. So then it says, Elijah went from there. So this is my challenge to you, church. Let's not shrink back in fear. Let's step forward in faith. See, God was saying, while you're in this cave, I've already got a plan worked out. And that's why you've got to go back the way you came. You've got to go back 
get back in the direction to what God has called you to do. So here's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to embrace reality, but we're going to lean into the opportunity. Our cities need people of faith now more than ever. People are in need of hope and encouragement. Our plan as a team is to embrace this reality by being innovative in the way that we connect and interact as a church. So how we meet one week might be different than how we meet the next week. You're going to have to stay connected. And we've got some exciting things we're working on for next week. I'm really pumped about it. And when we do come together, it's going to be awesome. This is a great time to be the church. That's why I'm excited to tell you about a new initiative we're launching today. It's called Serve 785. Now, this is a brand new organization. And as we prepare for what the future holds, undoubtedly, there's going to be needs that arise in our city. There might be some elderly people with needs that can't get to the store. We'll bring the store to them. There might be some families with children that can't get out. We'll go to them. We're going to find ways to serve people like never before. And here's a practical step that you can take right now. You can go to serve785.org and discover some of the resources that are available. You can also sign up to serve as needs come up so that we have a team mobilized and ready. You can also submit prayer requests and care requests. Now, we don't know what all the needs are, but we do know God has called us to respond. And in addition to that, as part of our regular giving today, as we give our tithes, as we give offerings, if you want to support what we're doing beyond your normal tithes and offerings, when you give online, you'll notice that there's an option to designate gifts for Serve 785. Now, again, this is a new initiative in our church. It's an organization that we started, and we've been planning this later this year, but there's a need right now for us to respond, and we're going to embrace the opportunity and lean into the opportunity that's in front of us. So we're looking forward to the partnerships that are available, how we can be the people of God, and we can be people of faith and meet needs right now in our city. This is an opportunity for us to be the church in our city. We're supposed to be a city on a hill, not hiding in a cave. And we're going to engage with church online. We're also going to engage with church and community. I want to encourage you to do church online with others. If you're in a group, get your group together. The early church, they met in houses and worshiped in the temple. And so this is a great opportunity for you to get connected. Now, if you're not in a group, maybe you want to consider just grabbing some friends together and let us know about that. And you can have some watch parties at your house. Do you want to do this? We're going to give you some information later this week. But just send an email to groups at findvelocity.org and we'll be sending out information about how you can host a watch party and get people together. Small groups in your house. Of course, use caution, use wisdom. But what I do know is that in moments like these, people need people. We want to be safe. We want to be cautious. But we don't want to be hiding out in a cave. We want to be the people God has called us to be and get to work with what God has called us to do. So what are you doing here? We are going to be a light, and I believe we're going to see more people reached over the next coming weeks than we've seen ever in the history of our church. Let's be about the gospel and bring those far from God near to life in Christ. Let's be the most life-giving, 
big thinking, God-pleasing, people-serving church in the world. Let's pray for people, let's help people, let's serve people. Now I want to close by giving just a couple opportunities. Maybe um, you were invited by a friend, maybe you're watching us, checking us out for the first time, and you might have some needs in your life. Uh, I want to pray for your needs first, and if you have a need, you can put it on the chat, you can let us know that you have a need right now, and I'm going to pray for the needs, and then I'm going to give you a second invitation. Would you just pray with me? God, I thank you for each person that has joined us for this online service. God, I thank you that we can come together despite where we're at in our homes, in small groups, and we can worship, we can pray, we can share, we can be encouraged, we can grow. God, I want to lift up every need that is being named right now. And God, I ask that you would provide resource, that you would provide help, that you would provide protection, that you would provide healing, that you would bring peace, that you would bring restoration, that you would bring faith and hope in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give one more invitation. Maybe you're watching and you realize just through watching this that you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Uh, it would do me no greater pleasure than to lead you in a prayer. If you're far from God and you know it and you want to make a decision to trust in Jesus today, one, you can let us know right now. And I want to lead you in a prayer. It's super simple. Scripture says when you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth that God sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins, that you'd be saved. So if you want to make this decision, you want a fresh start with God today, you want freedom from fear, you want peace in your heart, it's hard to have peace if you don't know the Prince of Peace. Let me lead you in a prayer. You can repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize my need for you. And I believe in what you did for me. I invite you into my heart. I ask that you would heal me. Forgive me. Bring me peace. And make me new. I thank you for it. And I receive it. Right now. In Jesus name. Velocity Church, would you put your hands together for everybody who's made that decision. Give them some love online. It is great to be in God's house today. Velocity, can we celebrate with those that made that decision today? If you crossed over the line of faith today, I just wanna be the first one to congratulate you because uh, I believe that is the best decision you could ever make in your life. Uh, so if that was you and you said that prayer, uh, we just wanna ask you to take one more step. You gotta tell somebody. Now the easiest way to do that is by simply marking on your connection card uh, under next steps that I accepted Christ. Now once you do that, we'll engage with you and just show you a clear next steps that you can take uh, from here on out. We believe that everyone has a next step and an opportunity to respond to the message wherever you're at, whatever you're doing at your home. This week, we'd like to encourage you to respond to this message by just doing what pastor said. Let's embrace reality and lean into the opportunity. 
Let's be a church together and see what we can do to bring those far from God near to life in Christ together. As a reminder, you can go to serve785.org and find out how you can help. We'll be monitoring this situation carefully over the next couple weeks and the next couple days, and we'll continue to keep you informed of how you can help, what we're doing, and what the next steps are as a church, and what we're doing to make sure that everyone's safe, we're doing what we need to do. Be sure to follow us on our social media accounts for all the latest information. It's been a great day with you, Velocity, and I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, just keep moving forward. That's right. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Uh, thank you that your word tells us in 2 Timothy that you've not given us a spirit of fear, uh, but of power, love, and sound mind, God. So I pray that the words that Pastor Justin spoke over us today, that it may resonate with us in our hearts uh, to be bold and courageous so that we might stand up and be the church and meet the needs and love others around us. I pray over people that have taken that step to accept you as their personal Lord and Savior, God, that you might uh, bring them around community, bring them around friends, around groups uh, that will show them uh, just how to love you better, God, and to take more steps towards you. It is in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, Velocity, and we'll see you next time.